This is essential. 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 This is essential audio. Welcome to the Money Pot. I'm Rachel Morrissey, and I am here with Ian Horn, who is our head of content in the EU. And Ian, how are you doing? I am doing good, Rachel. It was a pleasure to join you. Oh, I'm so glad. We know that you guys have been busy trying to get Amsterdam ready. So talk to me about what you guys have been doing to plan. Well, we have been doing a lot. So coming up here, we've got an interview with Mary Abbas-Samwa, who's the fintech growth lead at Seckle. She's talking about embedded investing. She's talking about a few other really exciting things and even about the tantalizing prospect of bringing Web3 to traditional finance. Oh, um, I, I was just talking to uh, one of our fintech uh, friendlies, and and he said uh, Web three is all about real money and a virtual world. And I think it'll be really interesting to see how uh, Ms. Abaswanya uh, talks about all of that. I think that'll be great. Oh, definitely. And we're in a position where some of these companies, I don't think, really quite nailed Web two. So, I mean, who knows? <laughs> That's too true. So that's great. Let's go to our interview with Mary Abbasanya. I'm joined today by Mary Abbasanya. Mary, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you doing, Ian? Yeah, I'm good. So can you tell us more about who you are? I mean, we don't usually do this, by the way. We don't usually allow introductions at Money 2020, but this podcast is an exception. So tell everyone who you are and what you do. Amazing. Feel very lucky. So as you said, my name is Mary Abbasamwa. I'm really passionate about how technology is disrupting the wealth management industry and also supporting millennials to achieve their full potential. So my role is fintech growth lead at Seckle and Seckle is a B2B fintech based in the UK, all about helping build the home of UK wealth tech. So we are an infrastructure player providing API access into the wealth management industry. So we power a lot of the leading UK based investment apps like Chip, Wombat, Go Henry and their JISA proposition, multiply a few others. So yeah, anything to do with kind of wealth management, access to ISAs, pension, junior ISAs, that's what we're really passionate about. Oh, that's the good stuff. Okay, so we're going to go on to your subject expertise in a minute. But I've got a question I want to set up for later on, actually. I want you to imagine that I'm giving you a big bag of money. Oh. Okay, just imagine <laughs> that. You get to invest it in two half and half. The first half goes to a company or a sector. Let's go with a sector or a theme in fintech. And you've got to sell that investment in a year. The second half goes to one you're going to sell in 10 years. So we're thinking like, yeah, what what is the short-term win? What is the long-term win? We'll go back to that later. Just want okay. to set that one up. We'll come back to it <laughs> towards the end. So, Mary, let's get into what you're going to be talking about in Amsterdam. Uh, you're going to be talking about uh, how we bridge from Web 2 to Web 3 in wealth management. Let's um, let's unpack that for a second, because wealth management isn't always the most dynamic space. I, I mean, no, I'm not trying to insult the people I used to work <laughs> with, but it doesn't strike me as very Web 3, at least currently. So how do we move wealth management to Web 3? I think it's going to be really exciting to see um, what will happen in the wealth management space and thinking about the trends in Web3 as well. I think the first change will be around actually the infrastructure of how wealth management is currently done. So it might be looking at using things like blockchain technologies to do things around custody and also understanding where assets are being held. 
And then the second change is around actually what people are investing in. We've seen, I think the latest stats show that 3% of UK adults hold cryptocurrency. And we obviously saw a boom in that during the pandemic. So actually now that we're in crypto winter, what does that look like around still giving people access to digital assets for investing, but maybe not a large portion of their portfolio and actually this being adopted across the wealth management industry. So all in all, I think it's two things. I think it's the impacts of Web3 technologies within wealth management within the sector. And secondly, around diversifying your assets, getting exposure to digital assets. Yeah. Do you think we're going to see more wealth managers and even asset managers going into this crypto space? And I say crypto to mean the whole world of crypto and DeFi things, because right now there's so much risk involved and it's tricky to match up to a client. And in certain jurisdictions, it'd be fairly from a regulatory perspective, risky to invest your clients in this stuff. Do you think that the barriers are going to eventually lower or disappear? I think it's going to take time, but I do believe the barriers will eventually lower. I think that I've heard some really archaic um, wealth managers and asset managers talk, talk about digital assets being 1% of people's portfolio allocation. So even if it is a small amount, it will be something that accumulates over time. And although some of the consumer interest and demand has waned, some of it is definitely still there, particularly around some solid use cases as well. So we're seeing some like diversified crypto ETFs that aren't kind of direct exposure to specific coins, but still give consumers the opportunity to get some exposure as well and some return. Really interesting stuff. I also want to talk about embedded finance. 2020, if anything, in fintech probably was the year of embedded finance. And I know that you've got an interest in embedded investing and savings. So can you tell us about how embedded finance is going to transform our personal finances? Because that obviously, if you just build finance into regular everyday things and apps, could make a real difference, couldn't it? Exactly. It's exactly that. It's all about meeting consumers at the point at which they are conducting buying something or they're utilizing a service. So a good example of embedded finance is buy now, pay later. You want to buy an item. It's quite expensive. It makes sense to have, I guess, a lending product at that point of sale where you can split out um, that expensive item into smaller payments. And we believe the same thing can be done with embedded investments. So investments can be used as a way to drive consumer loyalty and engagement. And there's some really interesting studies about where this has been done already. And actually, I think it's really exciting. I think that when consumers have a sense of ownership related to a particular company, they come back to that company more and it aligns with growing trends around people wanting to invest and put their money away for the longer term. And this kind of blurring between saving and investing that we're seeing at the moment as well. Yeah. Can you talk me through embedded investing a bit more? Because I feel like that's one of the areas of embedded finance that doesn't maybe get as much airtime. Like, How does that work? Is it essentially that when you buy something, you might get the option to uh, invest some of your money as you do so? Or is that kind of it? Yes. So it can be a whole spectrum of different things. I guess the most out there suggestions around embedded investments are exactly what you articulated that let's say you're buying something on Amazon and as part of you purchasing an item, you're also getting 0.01% of an Amazon share. And that gives the consumer a sense of, I guess, ownership, a sense of engagement, almost encourages them to come back more because they're a partial owner of Amazon. All the way to us talking about embedded investments with neobanks, neobanks that are have done quite well in the UK, have a good number of customers, but also recognise their customer base is interested in wealth management and maybe hasn't invested before. So 
Embedded investments also applies to neobanks that are looking to offer wealth management services embedded alongside their existing uh, fintech offerings that might be just some saving accounts and account as well. Yeah, and I think that's massive because in the UK, I don't think, you know, we're both speaking from a British perspective, right? I don't feel like there's much financial education in schools. I don't think there are many prompts to make people invest their money. And if you make it as simple as embedding it into an app or, a, you know, a checkout process, it just changes the game, doesn't it? Exactly. It will completely change the game. It helps drive a lot of the trends we're seeing around kind of social fintech as well. And also consumers being able to start their journey of investing. We know for a lot of people that interest is there, but they maybe don't know the best way to invest and they're nervous about what platforms to use as well. Yeah. I'd like to talk about more exciting forms of investment as well. Obviously, we have tokenization entering the picture. We have fractionalization as well. And that essentially opens up asset classes that previously weren't that easy to get into unless you had the access. And, you know, I think we're getting towards a point where investments are less exclusive now. Could you talk us through how Web3, the metaverse and DeFi might actually reshape our investment horizons? Wow. So many buzzwords in there, but I love it. Oh, yeah, I know. It's terrible. How is investing in odd stuff getting easier, Mary? I, know. I think it is getting easier. I think I'm seeing really exciting fintechs in this space of alternative investing, fractionally investing in property, in art, in wine, in all sorts of goods. And I think it's interesting because these are a lot more tangible for people to understand. I guess People definitely understand investing in a home and the importance of owning your own home. And people kind of get intangible assets So when you're thinking about stocks and shares and funds. But I think alternative investments like arts on wine and luxury cars are something that are appealing to consumer interest. And we've seen done quite well in the US. And actually, some of the fintechs that I've spoken to are using alternative investing as a way to just gain um, customer acquisition and really just drive a sense of kind of engagement with customers because it's not something that in the UK people have been particularly familiar with. Yeah. And I'm going to ask a slightly trickier question because we look at the democratization of finance and people getting more access. Are these kind of tools actually helping people get in at the ground floor? Like, you know, in terms of financial inclusion, does tokenization or fractionalization actually do anything for people who are in a, a more more challenging financial situation? It's a fabulous question. I think that generally it does. I think it's lowering the barriers to entry and making it easier financially for people to get started with £1, £10, maybe even £50. But ultimately, I think the root cause of the challenges is about awareness to understand that these platforms exist, which is why the embedded investment piece really works. Embedded investments can be done by companies that already have the distribution to access loads of customers. And already have the brand loyalty, essentially. Um, so I think it is making an impact, but I'm always nervous about, I guess, making sure that the everyday person can invest in what is ultimately kind of volatile and risky assets and that they make sure that they understand what they're investing in as well. Oh, 100%. Who do you look up to in your industry? Oh, wow. I think there are so many amazing female fintech founders and operators. Anne Bowden definitely comes to mind, CEO of Starling Bank. But there are so many, so many that I'm sure will be at Money 2020 that I can't wait to meet in person. Fantastic. And I'm on a mission to blow up a few people's LinkedIn's. Who should we follow on LinkedIn? Oh, wow. I literally have LinkedIn notifications for so many people that are always talking about. I definitely have to call out Simon Taylor and his content, his blog, really, really interesting, thought-provoking content. 
Brilliant. Let's go back to the other question, the tricky one. The most interesting fact you've ever heard. I think the most interesting facts that I've ever heard is that if women invested at the same rate as men, globally, there would be an additional $3.22 trillion of assets under management from private individuals around the world, which I think is just crazy. And that alludes to the gender investment gap that we have. And there's loads of kind of structural reasons around why that exists. But when I heard that stat, it just blew my mind. That is that is a mind-blowing fact, actually. That is really good. It was worth the wait. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Mary. I, I've said the same on other interviews, but what I'm really looking for in Amsterdam is sessions that really give people to, a moment to stop and think about the way they're doing things. I want people to leave the stages thinking, damn, I learned something new today, or I'm going to do something differently when I leave here. So from your perspective, I'm wondering what three takeaways do you want your audience to have when they finish listening to you? Wow. I really hope that people think about wealth management differently when attending some of the talks that we have planned. I hope they think of the industry as innovative and disruptive and not archaic and kind of old-fashioned. So I'm really excited about that. I hope people feel like the speakers are diverse and come up with interesting and innovative and disruptive thoughts and suggestions. And similar to what you just said, I hope people feel provoked to challenge their ways of working and things that they're doing in their organisation as well. Yeah, that's a great answer. And if I'm sitting in one of your sessions, what what emotion do you want me to leave with? Wow. I think you, I would want people to be pumped uh, about the future of money, the future of fintech, the future of wealth tech, and just be really excited about exploring some bold ideas like embedded investments back at their company as well. Yeah, that's great. I don't think we have enough of that liveliness sometimes in the wealth management exactly. sector. Exactly. Yeah, fantastic. And what about the place itself? Obviously, you said Money 2020 it was your first time last year. What tips would you have for people on making the most out of that experience? So my number one tip is to make sure you get a few good days of sleep beforehand. <laughs> I think I went in with well, good expectations, but it also took me 37 hours to get to Amsterdam last year because of all the Ow. plane strikes. No. <laughs> so I probably could have got there faster by swimming. Yeah, yeah, generally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was awful. I slept in Gatwick Airport in a hotel in the airport at one point. So it was genuinely awful. Um, so my advice is to definitely get as much sleep as possible so that you come with lots of energy um, so that you can really absorb the content and meet some great people. Brilliant. That's good advice. I feel so bad for your <laughs> your commute there. It can only be better this year. <laughs> oh, I hope so. I really hope so. Okay, we're looking at now and next as a big theme for the show this year. You know, we want to focus on the exciting futuristic stuff. Of course we do, especially in a year where there's been, you know, slightly tighter economic conditions. There's also a need to focus on now and actually be sensible and in the present. So when it comes to wealth tech, what big trend do you think is really important right now? I think when it comes to wealth tech, I'm really excited about this overarching theme of hybrid advice and what that looks like. Currently in the UK, only 3% of adults receive financial advice. There's a lot of talk around financial coaching, which is kind of, I guess, guiding people, but not giving them direct advice. There's a lot of conversation about democratizing access to advice and guidance and recognizing that a lot of people can't pay, I don't know, £150 per hour for a session with a financial advisor, or they just don't feel like they have um, such a large amount of assets to get that kind of advice. So finding ways, whether it's ChatGPT <laughs> or the like, um, to provide people with access to advice is what I'm really excited about. And I'm excited to see us explore topics like that as well. Oh, definitely. I think the hybrid advice thing is is so interesting because 
I was working in wealth management for about eight years. And at the start of that time, we were talking about robo-advice. Then it became hybrid advice. And I feel like as much as there's been conversations and there has been movement, I still don't think the market or even the industry has really grasped what it's going to do or how it's going to work best, right? Exactly. I think we're still working it out. I think I always think about how there aren't yet um, proven profitable wealth techs in the UK and still working out what that business model looks like because of the challenges around building a customer brand, unit economics, all that kind of good stuff and traction with customers. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what that actually looks like in the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. And let's go beyond the next couple of years. What is the next big thing in wealth tech? I think the next big thing in wealth tech will be embedded investing. I think we're speaking to enough fintechs and even non-fintechs interested in embedded investing at Seckle. And I really believe that this will be a really exciting frontier around ownership, around customer engagement and loyalty, because it makes sense, like we've spoken about, that maybe when you're checking your credit score, you also want to be building your investments and thinking about your long-term investment pot. Maybe given that you love your neobank so much and your kind of coral card that you have, you also want to do investments with them, that kind of thing as well. Exciting. Let's go back to the question I asked you ages ago, which was one about the big bag of money I was throwing over to you. Yeah, half of that is going in an investment theme that has to be liquidated a year from now, for whatever reason. The other half is going into an investment theme or trend that's got to be liquidated 10 years from now. What two things have you gone with? Wow. I think right now I would focus on kind of infrastructure tech. So solutions for that are more B2B, more enterprise. I'm seeing a lot of things around compliance and AML and KYC. They might sound boring to people, but I think they are problems that we're seeing in the wealth management industry with the wealth tech apps. How do you make sure that you're screening customers effectively, especially at scale? Um, And also, I think it's an evergreen problem, I guess, within financial services as fines and things like that rise. Um, And then longer term, I think I would invest in propositions focused on, I guess, hyper-personalized propositions within financial services and wealth management, focused on particular communities, whether that's ethnic minorities or women or other other communities really recognize that we've ultimately underserved certain populations when it comes to financial services and that there's so much more that can be done. I agree. That whole personalization at scale, I think, is such a big, is going to have such a big impact on what we do for sure. Exactly. So Mary, thanks for joining us. Thank you. I've had a great time. Thank you for listening. Uh, We also want to thank Mary Abbas-Samwa for sharing her amazing thoughts of us. We appreciate your time. And if you want to be part of the Money Pot, please send us suggestions at podcast at money2020.com. Don't forget to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts, and we will see you again soon.